Political leaders at all levels of government agree that there's a housing crisis in California, but when it comes to solutions, few see eye to eye. In San Diego County, four cities are launching an effort to reduce the number of housing units the state says they must build because they argue the methodology doesn't make sense for smaller communities. The state is being more serious about housing mandates. After years of toothless action, the state may begin fining communities that fail to build. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Gustavo Solis, you cover communities in the South Bay of San Diego County. And recently, you wrote a story about these housing mandates, which come down from the state, often have these cities frustrated. Let's start at the beginning. What are these mandates? Right. This mandate, it's... um Critics would call it a classic example of a top-to-bottom approach to governing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every eight years, uh, the state of California comes up with a number of housing units that the state must build in order to keep up with population trends. Mm -hmm. And the way it works is Sacramento comes up with a number, and they divvy it up to different regional governing agencies. In San Diego's case, that's SANDAG, the San Diego Association of Governments. Sacramento gives the number to SANDAG. SANDAG, in turn, gives the number to individual cities. Uh, This year, or this cycle, rather, it was 171,000 units that they divide between Chula Vista, San Diego, Coronado, the county, Santee, Solana Beach, et cetera, et cetera. And how do they do that math? Because, of course, San Diego gets the majority of it being the most populous city in the county. But how do they figure out, you know, Del Mar and Solana Beach, those smaller areas? SANDAG has a subcommittee um, whose job it is to figure this out. They come up with a methodology that they believe will be most accurate in terms of dividing the units. Mm -hmm. And it's always a point of contention. Every year, cities complain that they're getting way too many units, that they're already built out, that they can't possibly accommodate these. Uh, And Predictably, this process is happening again right now. Mm -hmm. And how strong is this mandate? Like, are there fines if this isn't completed? Because it seems like there is building in the county, but a lot of this seems to be, you know, luxury condos and apartments, not something to deal with population growth necessarily. Right. Well, a couple of disclaimers on the process. First of all, the cities technically don't have to build the houses, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Cities aren't construction firms. They don't have uh, finances to give out mortgage or construction loans. What cities have to do is create the regulatory framework to allow a certain amount of housing within their jurisdiction. So that's um, passing certain loans that allow higher density or residential type of living so that Developers can come into those cities, take advantage of the regulations, and build the amount of housing that is required. Mm -hmm. And historically, one of the biggest criticisms of this process is that there is no punishment for not meeting these goals. Mm -hmm. And we're right now going into the sixth cycle of the process. In the previous cycle, the fifth cycle, San Diego built less than 50% of the houses that was allocated to it. And there are no... Um, there are no punishments given out to cities. Actually, only one city, Lemon Grove, complied with all of the housing because uh, it's not just a flat number. It's a number that comes with uh, certain categories of affordability. So you have to build X amount of very low 
low, moderate income housing. And that's always the hardest part, it seems, in which the market is supportive of those, you know, half a million dollar condos and, you know, the skyscrapers that are very, very expensive. But it's even that upper middle, middle, lower income housing that it seems that there's just not the, enough market forces to get that built in the first place, which makes sense why this number has never been achieved. Well, exactly. Developers will tell you similar things, right? I talked to one gentleman from the Building Industry Association here in San Diego who kind of talked about the conflicting mandates that the state give to builders right now, right? Um, you have to – the price of construction has gone up, mm -hmm. right? This year you have to put solar panels on buildings, which means you have to pay more to build them. Uh, permitting is up. The cost of land is up, as everyone will tell you. All of these – um, some market and some regulatory forces drive up the cost of housing. And meanwhile, simultaneously, the state is saying, okay, you have to build more lower-income housing. So the state, on the one hand, is passing high-cost regulations, but it's mm -hmm. demanding low-cost building, which leaves developers kind of scratching their heads and, and say, well, tell us what you want. You can't have both of these things. Yeah, it's like you almost need a subsidy or something. Otherwise, you're just telling cities and other organizations to both have a cake and eat it too. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at least in San Diego, there has been political pushes towards more dense development, transit-oriented development, but that isn't the case throughout the rest of the county. What are some of the perspectives um, from smaller communities that find this mandate really frustrating? Well, one of the biggest points of contention is the methodology that Sandak came up with. Uh, this year, they wanted to um, do something which looks really good on paper, right? They wanted to encourage housing near jobs. To, to get people to cut down on commute times and, mm -hmm. and reduce um, emissions that way. They also wanted to encourage building near existing uh, transit infrastructures, uh, bus stops and trolley stops and coaster stops. Um, that means that a lot of cities that previously have not gotten too much housing through this process saw their numbers jump, like mm -hmm. double, triple, or more than that during this process. Cities like Coronado, uh, because they have a lot of jobs with the Navy base. Uh, cities like Imperial Beach, because they have a lot of bus stops. Uh, mm -hmm. Lemon Grove, because they have two trolley stations. Uh, those cities are now trying to appeal to Sandag to reduce that number. Because mm -hmm. it's one of those things in which, yes, it makes sense to kind of incentivize transit-oriented development, but it's easier said than done. Like There are still criticisms about the MTS and NCTD systems. So just telling cities to build more near a system that people say is lackluster isn't going to solve any problems for anybody. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like Sanda came up with this cookie-cutter approach to housing, and it makes sense on paper, but when you put it into individual cities that have their, their individual... Um, local issues it mm -hmm. just doesn't always fit you know like for example um imperial beach made the argument that the majority of housing associated with bus stops mm -hmm. um is below interstate 8 the i8 so even though less than half of the population of san diego county lives below i8 most of the housing associated to bus stops is going over there. That's an inequality over there, yeah. right? Why isn't that being spread out throughout the county? You know, Coronado will raise the point that a lot of their housing numbers are connected to jobs on the military base. Mm -hmm. They have no control over 
how many jobs are on base, whether those jobs stay there or they go, right? That, that's mm-hmm. the military's job. And Coronado really has no say. Also, the military has housing for the base, uh, for their their employees on base, and that housing isn't considered by SANDAG. Um, so there are little things like that that the overall methodology didn't consider is what the cities are arguing. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest part is that we're in a county with two large cities and then lots of little cities, and there's no kind of easy way of balancing the needs of the you know Chula Vista and San Diego versus the 16 others and unincorporated areas. It's this weird kind of balance that we can never sandbag, apparently, really struggles to get. Right. Well, and, and that was a big point of contention this time around because during the, the process to come up with the methodology, there was all these issues were raised by the smaller cities. Um, but there's a new voting mechanism by which San Diego or Chula Vista can call for a weighted vote. And even though they may not have the majority because they are much bigger than the smaller cities, they can push through uh, an unpopular vote like this, which they did to get this methodology passed. Mm-hmm. So now that there's this push to get this methodology changed, do you have a sense that this will actually happen? And even if it does, does it matter? This whole thing seems like it doesn't have teeth. Well, one, the answer to the first question is no. I don't think the appeals will will change anything about the methodology, and the cities don't believe so. The cities, at least the ones I talked to, um, said they filed this just because, A, they think they're right and they want to they want to do what their due process they want to exercise their due process rights yeah. you know they, they want to have a record that this is wrong and this is why they believe so cities that are really really against it like Coronado will kind of say hey we need to do this because we need to be established on the record that we disagreed and we told them and we still didn't get listened to and if by the way we decide to sue the state over this we have this record mm-hmm. so they're thinking long term um, the second question regarding does this matter because there aren't any teeth, historically, no, it wouldn't. But this cycle is different um, and it's very different in that, as you may have known, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom has said that cities that don't meet their housing numbers could be at risk of losing either funding or local control. Mm-hmm. And several state laws have passed trying to give the state more teeth mm-hmm. you know there are some um some laws that if cities don't meet certain housing numbers mm-hmm. then developers could build more as of right without getting a zoning change or something like that yeah uh, and a couple of years ago the state sued huntington beach over uh, failure to to meet certain housing goals mm-hmm. so this year and i think that's why there's a little bit more backlash than previous years there's more at stake for local governments who don't meet these goals. And do we have a sense that some of those um, punitive actions may appear this year, or is this something in which maybe it'll be a couple years down the line in which we actually see some retribution from the powers that be? That's tough to say. I mean, the the cycle, the housing cycle, is every eight years. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, the state may have these powers, but we're not sure if they're going to be actually willing to use them or not. Um, after this process is done, after Sandex sends the numbers to Sacramento, each city has to come up with their housing element plan. Mm-hmm. And that housing element plan will give Sacramento an idea of how um, how serious these cities are going to meet 
that goal, right? If cities through their housing element plan indicate that they're not even going to try to get that many houses built, then, yeah, there might be some confrontations here or there. Mm-hmm. And uh, throughout this conversation, we've been talking about mostly how, you know, organizations and governments on several layers have failed to build enough housing to deal with the growing population in California. Within the county, where are the hot spots of growth and building, if there are any? Well, everyone I talk to points to Chula Vista as the, the basically, well, Chula Vista and the county, right, the unincorporated parts of the county mm-hmm. as the only places that actually have land to build on still. Um, every other city or most other cities would have to build up, meaning they'd have to uh, build higher buildings or more denser buildings in order to fulfill that. Um, but I think independent of, of whether it's in open spaces like Chula Vista or incorporated parts or uh, you just build up in, in smaller cities, the fact doesn't change that there is a housing crisis here and people mm-hmm. who were born and grew up here and are moving here can't afford to find houses, right? So many people who are in their 30s live with their parents because of the housing market and the rental market is ridiculous. So um, I think independent of how something, independent of what cities do, I think the state recognizes that we got to do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the end, it's almost like a a philosophical problem of the California that was built was built for fewer people. And how do we change the future California so everyone has a place to live, which is something that colors everything from affordability to homelessness? Yeah, yeah very well said. All right. Mm-hmm. Gustavus Elise, thank you so much. Thank you. In other news, San Diego will temporarily waive more than $2,000 in permit fees to encourage homeowners to repair damaged sidewalks. The fee waiver will take effect within 90 days and extend to the end of 2020, city officials said. It applies to all 5,000 miles of the city's public sidewalks. Not fixing sidewalks comes with a cost. The city had just paid out nearly $5 million to a cyclist who was injured in Del Cerro three years ago. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. On weekday mornings, you can also hear a quick rundown of local weather and headlines. Just tell your smart speaker to launch the San Diego Union Tribune. You can also get the Flash Briefing as a podcast. For a full listing of our audio offerings, go to uniontrib.com slash podcasts. Until next time.